Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 7, how Noah was invited to come into the ark, which was a perfect place of safety. Now, once Noah was inside, it was God's responsibility then to take care of Noah and his family and the animals. Now, we want to thank you for your listenership and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. And we also want to encourage you to be a one-time or monthly supporter of this unique Bible teaching radio program. And by you supporting Friendship with God, you will help to keep this Bible teaching radio program going on this station in your city. Now, you won't find any Bible teaching program on radio like Tom Cantor and Friendship with God, expository teaching out of Genesis that spans into every book of the Bible. Now, from the perspective also of a saved, born-again Jewish man teaching about the Jewishness of the Scriptures and the Jewish Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, we would like to encourage you to donate today by mail or by going online or calling us now or after the program at 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Again, 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Now let's begin our Bible study with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Leave that to me. Don't worry. Just trust me. Just, yeah. It's bigger than this. It's <laughs> uh, well. Let's see. It's um, have you ever? If you've been to our building at Takati, it's the length. No, okay. Let's see here. <laughs> yeah, it's three football fields. It's big. What I said last time, it was the cargo space of fifty-seven forty-sevens. Um, depends on how you measure a cubit, because you know uh, Susan's cubit might be a little bit different from my cubit. You know, but anyway, if you take the maximum cubit of two feet from here to here, then that would be 600 feet. So that's really large, long. Okay, so it's big. So Noah was told, look, yeah, so that's a good point you bring up, Irene, because the issue here is that Noah's looking at this thing and saying, is it really going to work? That's this gigantic, massive structure. But he had to simply trust and obey. That was Noah. He had to trust and obey. Because God said, you don't need to know, it's just going to work. See, Isaiah 53.11 says, he shall see of the travail of his soul, speaking of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, and shall be satisfied by his knowledge, by his knowledge, not our knowledge, by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. When the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, it was enough to satisfy the wrath of God. And God says, I saw the travail of his soul, I was satisfied. He justifies many by his knowledge. When the Lord Jesus Christ died for our sins, it was enough to settle all the debts that we had against the law of God, to settle our account with the law of God. We, and God says, I'm satisfied. So just like Noah, he didn't know the details of the ark. He didn't know exactly how it was going to save him, but um, he had to trust. You know, once, I don't know if I told you the story or not, but I'll tell it again. Once there was a diplomat in South Africa, and if, you, if I tell before, don't tell me because it'll, I'm, I'm going to ruin it. <laughs> And this diplomat in South Africa it really admired the Rolls-Royce car. And he wanted so much. to have it. So finally, you know, he learns everything he can about the Rolls-Royce car. And he places his order. And he had studied every detail. And he knew every specification. The finest automobile made. And he places his order and he waits for them to put it together in England. And so one day, 
he comes rushing into the sales office there down in South Africa, and he says to the salesman, wait a minute, wait a minute. He says, I've forgotten one very, very most important detail, and I don't know. And I've looked everywhere through all the specifications, and I cannot find out this most important detail. I need to know this about the car. And so the salesman says, What's the, what, do you, what is it? He said, what is the horsepower of this car? What is the horsepower of the car? Please tell me the horsepower of the Rolls-Royce car. So the salesman goes, he looks through all the specifications. He couldn't find the horsepower of the Rolls-Royce car. So the buyer says, well, I must know the horsepower, and I'm not leaving until I find out. So the salesman sends off the telex, it was a long time ago, to the factory there in England, and the telex reads, customer is in the office right now and requires to know the horsepower of the Rolls-Royce car. What is the horsepower of the Rolls-Royce? So they waited and waited for a reply. Finally, the reply comes back from the factory, and the salesman reads it, and then he hands it to the customer, and it says, horsepower specification, adequate. (laughs) (laughs) Now, (laughs) when it came to Noah, having to know all about all the details of the ark and how it's going to stay afloat, God just said, adequate. That was the explanation. And the ark was all he needed. When it comes to us knowing exactly how the Lord Jesus Christ satisfied the wrath of God, met the requirements of the law of God, God just says, adequate. That's what he means when he said he shall be satisfied. The ark was adequate. Now, the first word that we see God saying to Noah after the ark is built, in verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1, is the word come. That's what he said. He said, God said to Noah, come, come thou and all thy house into the ark. Noah had built the ark, and he was standing there in front of the ark, and now God invites Noah to come into the ark. And that word from God, it is a command, but it's also an invitation. It's a command, but it's also an invitation, because the choice was Noah's. And the final decision as to whether or not Noah was going to obey God and come into the ark, that was Noah. That was Noah's decision. God didn't push him into the ark. And Noah had to respond to God's invitation. So verse 1 is the time when God invited Noah to come into the ark and to bring his family into the ark. And so that word is very important in verse 1 because that's God's invitation to Noah. Verse 7, look at verse 7, a few verses down, and you'll see Noah's response where it says, And Noah went in, and his his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with him into the ark. Very significant that those are recorded. God's invitation and Noah's response. Every person's response, every person's invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and their response is carefully noted as well. But those words... And Noah went in his sons and his wives and his son's wa- his wife and his son's wives with him into the ark. Those words, Noah went in, that's Noah's response recorded. When Noah saw the ark, some people saw just a boat, but Noah saw God's provision. Some people look at the ark, they saw a boat, but Noah saw God's faithfulness. You, if you're Noah, you've never seen a flood. You've never seen an overflowing of waters. You can't even really imagine it, what it is. You can't imagine what it's like, and all you know is it's going to be bad. It's going to be really bad, because God said he's going to use it to destroy. 
So Noah was told, look, yeah, so that's a good point you bring up, Irene, because the issue here is that Noah's looking at this thing and saying, is it really going to work? That's this gigantic, massive structure. But he had to simply trust and obey. That was Noah. He had to trust and obey. Because God said, you don't need to know. It's just going to work. The come is God's invitation. The Noah went in of verse 7 is Noah's response. In the time between verse 1 and verse 7, Noah could have said, you know, what about my friends? What about my aunts and my uncles and my nieces and my nephews and my cousins? If I go into this ark, I'll be saying that I believe they will all perish. I'll be leaving them. I'll be deserting them. I don't want to do it. He could have. But he could have said that and decided not to go into the ark. So that's why those words in verse 7 are so important. Because that's where he actually responded and acted on God's invitation. He was invited to come. He came. But the come of verse 1 is the same invitation, as we mentioned already, in Matthew eleven twenty-eight, when the Lord Jesus Christ says, Come, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. So like with Noah, everyone comes to a point of verse 7, where they either accept the, the invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ for an eternal rest, or refuse the invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 1, there is a very, very important word after the word come. And that's the word thou. Come thou. The invitation is not just a general come. It's a come you. Come thou. Thou makes the invitation very, very personal. Very, very individual. It's not just a general invitation. It's not like this, this invitation came to Noah with a printed name on it. This was a handwritten envelope by God with Noah's name on it. And that's the same invitation than in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Because although it says, Come unto me all, as in anyone and everyone, ye that labor and are heavy laden, he says, and I will give all of you rest. It doesn't say that. He says, come all, as a general invitation, but then he says, and I will give you rest. That's a very important word that he says there, you rest. So, what does it mean? It means that the come thou of Genesis 7-1 and the you of Matthew 11-28 emphasize that God individualizes and personalizes his invitation. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. And he makes the gospel invitation to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes it personal and makes it individualized. That's why people sometimes say, will say, you know, I was in the church meeting and I was listening to a sermon and I felt the preacher knew me. I felt the preacher was talking to me. Nobody else. That's the Holy Spirit's work to the making the plugging in the thou like it is there in verse 7, verse 1, chapter 7, verse 1. So Noah was invited personally to come into the ark. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God in just one moment. Now, our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, is not just a teacher, pastor, scientist, CEO, and 2009 Whistleblower of the Year award recipient winner. He is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, a Jewish evangelism ministry that has reached millions of lost Jewish people around the world, from the U.S. to South America to Israel And we've reached them with the gospel and Jewish materials so that they, too, might be saved. Now, Tom Cantor is a Jewish born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to reach other Tom Cantors that need to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. We do that through free gospel gifts. 
and messages that we offer for free, you can help us by supporting this Bible teaching radio program by calling us at 800-247-3051-800-247-3051. Now picture Noah in verse 7. He's made his decision. He's gone now inside the ark. He's no longer on the outside now. He's now on the inside. And what does he see? Noah looks around and well, look at chapter 6, verse 14. What do you think, uh, right, what, right after God told Noah to make the ark, what did God tell Noah to do when he made the ark? Yeah, pitch, pitch, tar, pitch, tar, tar pitch it or tar it all over the inside of the ark and all over the outside of the ark. I don't know, maybe Noah lived close to a La Brea tar pit or something like that, but he had a lot of tar, and he was pitch all over. So Noah thought to himself, you know, he's inside the ark. He says, tar, tar everywhere. I see all around tar, tar inside the ark. I remember all the tar outside the ark. There's tar everywhere. And there's one thing I know about this ark. It is watertight. This ark is watertight. Why? Because it's got tar all over the inside and outside. This is one watertight boat. This ark is safe. So the tar or the pitch represented for Noah safety, watertightness or safety. So when Noah looked at the tar, he saw safety. He felt security. When Noah saw the tar, Noah felt safe. In Hebrew, the word for pitch here is the word kafar, which means covering. Covering. As a matter of fact, 70% of the time when this word is used in the Old Testament, it's translated atonement. It means covering. Yom Kippur, you know, the day of atonement, the day of covering. On the day of Passover, when the lamb was killed at every home and blood was put over the door and on the door, two doorposts, it says, as you know, in Exodus 20, 13, 12, 13, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So God said that when he saw the blood, He would pass over, but God also said that when you see the blood, that that's going to be a token for you. So God was saying, when you see the blood, that will make you feel safe. And when God saw the blood, he would spare them from judgment. The blood represented atonement, represented the covering, like the pitch for Noah. There's only one shelter from God's safety, from God's wrath. There's only one safety from God's wrath, and that's to be under the covering or the atoning blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So now as we picture Noah sitting down inside the ark and looking at the pitch, and again, it's the same word as as covering and atonement, and he's feeling very safe, and what happens? We look at the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ on the doorpost, so to speak, and over the door of our hearts, and we feel safe like he did. Now, after... Noah went into the ark. We can picture those on the outside saying, well, where's Noah? Where's Noah today? Where's Noah? And of course, the answer is Noah's inside the ark. Noah's way inside the ark. Noah's hidden inside the ark. Can't see him. Now, you freeze that picture in your mind and of Noah safely uh, inside the ark there, kind of hidden away inside the ark. And you keep that in mind and you put in the verse, Colossians 3.3. 3, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. So that's a picture of Noah. 
It's a picture of us, see? We are hid, like Noah's hid in the ark, surrounded by this pitch tar with Christ in God. We are hid as well. So just as Noah's life was safely hidden deep inside the ark, our lives are safely hidden deep inside the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as Noah was hidden inside the ark and looked at the pitch and he felt secure about it, we deeply hidden in God look at the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and we feel securely protected. So hidden deep in the ark, Noah was in a place of just perfect safety. Now, Noah was in the ark and we read verse 16. And they went in, went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded and the Lord shut him in. So Noah's sitting inside the ark, as God told him, and Noah wonders, <laughs> like, anybody remember to shut the door? <laughs> Turn the lights out and shut the door. No, he says, uh, who's going to shut the door? Right? And so Noah hears the door of the ark shut. And then Noah understands God shut the door of the ark. And that was very important for Noah. He remembers. He says, he said, you know, it's a bad thing if the door of the ark is left open, right? <laughs> the ark will sink, you know, so it's not good. But God remembered to shut the door, unlike me. So who shut the door? God shut the door of the ark. Noah thought on that fact. And he said, you know, God shut the door of the ark. Once, once I made the decision to accept God's invitation to go inside the ark, my safety was no longer my responsibility. It's God's responsibility. I did my part. God is going to do his part. And that included, in this case, shutting the door. So he shut the door. God shut the door was a statement to Noah of how God would take care of Noah. We can imagine Noah going to his family inside the ark. And, you know, they might be a little bit nervous. Can imagine. Anyway, but he says, don't worry, just repeat to yourself these words. God shut the door. God shut the door. Because the truth that God shut the door gave to Noah an increased sense of security. So it says in 1 Peter 1.5, that it's speaking about us, it says, who are kept by the power of God. Kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. But that phrase, kept by the power of God, after coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, God has taken the responsibility to take care of us. And we are kept by the power of God. So Romans 8.32 talks about the Lord making the decision to spare not his only son, his own son. And it says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us all things? So there's the question. He says, if he did that, if he didn't spare his son, then he's going to give us all good things. He shut the door. He's going to take care of us. God shut the door. He didn't care of us. It would be a bad thing if the door was left open. God shut the door. So this was very, very important. So just as Noah meditated on the fact that God shut him in and knew that God would take care of him, we meditate on the fact that God sped not his own son, so God's going to take care of us. Now Noah says to himself, I've accepted God's invitation to come into the ark. I'm in the ark. Now it's God's responsibility to take care of me. And we say, I've accepted God's invitation to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I am in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God's responsibility to take care of me. Now, when we look at something very interesting, because we look at chapter 6, and there's a little detail there, which we don't want to miss. 
And that is in verse 21, where he says, And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt eat of, gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. See, that little phrase, to keep them alive, is very, very important. It means so much to us as we think about that. Because it explains to us how God is, again, caring for us, and how he's taken this responsibility to take care of us. And that's a wonderful thing. So in order to be made sure they kept alive, he says, food, you need food. That's why the Lord says to us, it's either going to be you or it's going to be God. When he says, taking up thought, saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink? Do you want to worry about it or do you want to let God do it? Because if you want to worry about it, then God says, that's fine, I have other things to do. But God says, don't do that. Trust that he has the responsibility to take care of you, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and how you're being clothed and so forth. And so we see that in Genesis. And so he tells them to bring in the food. And evidently, I don't know, he didn't say bring in two gazelles and two zebras for every lion to kill. So I don't know, yeah, they must have all been herbivores. Anyway, so as Noah's thinking about the ark and shutting the door of the ark, he's saying to him, He's thinking back and he says, you know, that's funny about how God told me to build this ark in Genesis 6, 16. He said, a window shalt thou make to it and a cubit finished above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof. And he's sitting there and he's thinking, you know, that's kind of strange. There's only one door in this ark. Just one door, only one door. It's a pretty large boat to have just one door. Not even an emergency door, you know, that's a requirement. But he says, there's only one door. So the point here is that if anyone was going to get into that ark, they had to go through that door, that one single door. Only one door into this ark, no other door coming in by that door. Of course, then we remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in John fourteen six when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And John ten nine, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be safe and shall go in and out and find pasture. So just as God's ark only had one door, God has only one door into heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Then Noah could have th- be thinking more, and he says, you know, a window. Now when it says a window, you know, d- don't think of double-pane, triple-pane glass and all that. That's not what's meant there. It means opening, about 18 inches. And it was underneath the roof, and so there was this opening. Very effective for ventilation, very good. Keeps the ark dry, but it also keeps it ventilated. But... What's interesting about that is that Noah, from the inside, when he looks up, he says to himself, you know, I can't really see the earth. I can only see the heavens. That's all I can see. And that picture of Noah sitting there, not able to see the earth, but only seeing the sky, is a picture for us. Because the uh, verses that go above the one we considered a bit earlier are this. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, in this verse, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Terrible destruction was happening, was occurring on earth at that time. And that could have been very disturbing, very distracting for Noah. And so God has an opening, but that opening only looks up to the sky. That's all he can see. That's the way God wants it for us. There's so many terrible things happening in the earth today. Very easy for us to get disturbed and distracted with the moral deterioration of our country and the loss of our rights and taking our guns away and so forth. I don't have any guns, but anyway. And these can be very disturbing distractions. But just as God had Noah have just one opening 
for him to look out at. God wants us to set our affection on the Lord Jesus Christ, on things above. Now, I think this is where we're going to stop for this morning, so let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being the faithful God, for being the providing God, for being the God who provides a way for us to escape, the saving God. Thank you, Lord, for taking the responsibility for our safety. Thank you for, Lord, giving us guidance on how to be saved. Just only think, Lord, that in that whole trip on the ark, nobody died. Lord, no human deaths, no animal deaths, and every animal came out alive. And all of Noah's family came out alive. And Lord, we're looking forward to the time when we get to heaven. And just like Noah was amazed that they were all alive, we'll be amazed too to see how you lost none. Thank you for hearing us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful Bible study from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Just a reminder, if you would like to download this message for free, you can do so on our website, friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, also available on iTunes.com and SermonAudio.com. All there for free listening and free download, but it's there with your support, and we need you to become a monthly supporter if you can. You can call us at 800-247-3051, and for any donation of $100 or more, we will send you Tom Cantor's new Friendship with God, Study and Reference Bible. It's over 2,200 pages with over 600 pages of Bible helps. has a genuine lambskin leather cover and gold lettering. It's got over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It has over 20 full-color custom maps and timelines. It's got a full 1,500-word Bible concordance. It's got the most popular Bible scriptures to study and memorize section. It's got a prophecy and fulfillment section, names of the Messiah section, the life of Joseph study section, and so many other amazing Bible helps. It's yours for a donation of $100. Call us, 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051.